We'll be in 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings 17 this morning. Appreciate the testimonies this morning. God's been good to me. And he, he saved me. That's enough. To, that's enough to be thankful for the rest of my life. But he does things for me every day. Amen. 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 1. 1 Kings 17 and verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Just a few minutes this morning, I'll have to preach on this. Three reasons you should stay by the brook, and two reasons you shouldn't. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you again, Lord, for the privilege to be saved. I'm thankful for the day that your Holy Spirit came to where I was and spoke to my heart the gentle words of salvation and prompted me to put my faith and my trust in you. I'm thankful for that opportunity that you gave me to repent of my sins and receive you as my Savior. Lord, you have truly changed my life. You took a young person who was rebellious and a young person who had no desire for God and completely turned me around. I'm so thankful for what you've done for me and given me eternal life and then given me the joy of living for you. I pray you help us this morning. May I say only those things that you would have me say this morning. And may the message from your word be clear and plain and understood. And may your people this morning do the words of scripture. May we be Doers of the work and not just hearers only. We ask these things in your name. Amen. In our text this morning, Elijah, the great prophet of God, stood before the king of Israel, Ahab. And if you know anything about history in the Old Testament, you know that Ahab was a very wicked king. And as Elijah stood before Ahab, he was giving him a message that God was going to send a, a drought throughout the land, and it would be by Elijah's word if, it was to, if the rain was to return. And so God instructs Elijah to go to an undisclosed location, and this was for his safety. And he goes somewhere in the Jordan Valley, this brook called Cherith, and he was hiding there from Ahab for, for his life. He feared, he faced fear, he faced poverty, he faced death as Ahab was seeking to kill him, of course, and he he faced a certain failure. He, was, he faced these things, and God put him somewhere to hide him in this place. Note that God miraculously provided for him. He had this fresh spring water. It's probably the best water you could ever have because God provided for it, right? He had this fresh spring water by the brook Cherith, and twice a day, twice a day, the ravens brought him bread and meat to eat. I don't know where they got the food from, but they brought him probably some pretty good food. 
some pretty good grub that he had to eat there by the brook Cherith as God provided for him and that God took care of him. This morning we have a place just like Elijah had. God put him to this place and this was his safe place. This was a place that God gave him to be in. It was his perfect will for Elijah to be in this place at this point in his life. And he gives him this place and we have also a safe place or a brook that God has put us at as Christians. It's a place where we are in his will. Your brook is your walk with God. Your brook is the church that God has given you. And I would say that God has given us a great church, wouldn't you? Your, your safe place is your church. And your safe place is your family. Your safe place is the, the faith that God has given you. But three reasons why you should stay by the brook that God has given you. Three reasons why you should stay by the brook where God has put you. Number one, the number one reason to stay by the brook that God has given you. The number one reason is God's will is the best place for you. God's will is always the best place for you. It doesn't always register with us that being where God wants us to be is the absolute best place we could ever be. You know, sometimes we want, it's like we want to sit in the driver's seat of our life. We want to decide where we want to turn and how fast we go and when we hit the brakes. The Christian life is not that way at all. In the Christian life, you're the passenger and you let God decide. You let him be the driver. He's turning the wheel. He's hitting the brakes. He's deciding how fast you go and even where you're going. But God's will is the best place for you. God decides where you go and how fast you get there. The problem is that sometimes, sometimes that we think that we know better than he does. Somehow in our little puny mind, we think that we know what's best for us. But God knows what's best for us. His will, his place. It's the safest place you could ever be in. The truth is something more meaningful that God that God knows what's best for you and He wants His intent for you is to put you in a place that is good for you. And the problem is when we try to wrestle the will from, we do that sometimes, don't we? We say, Lord, I'm going to let you drive me and then He starts taking us somewhere where maybe we don't like where it's going or maybe we don't understand where it's going or wrestle the will from Him. But no, that's not the way it is. You let Him take control of your yeah. life. That's the safest place for you. That's the best place for you to be in your safe place. God's will is always the safest place for you. Even if God's will is the most dangerous place in the world, guess what? It's the safest place you could ever be in. Because that's God's will. When God put Elijah by the brook chair, it was his will for him to be there. Whether you knowingly make choices to get out of God's will, or a lot of times I've seen it happen over and over again, it's the little choices that people make every day. You make these little choices, it's like you just progressively fade out of God's will this choice leads to this choice and this choice leads to this choice and before you know it you may even be sitting in church but you have got yourself out of God's will for your life but regardless of how you got there regardless of what's what prompted you to get there you lose the fellowship and the protection that's provided when you're under the protection of his will God's will is the best place for you to be in and once you get out of his will you know there's no really shortcuts to get back there's only this narrow, small road to get back. And when you do get back, things are never the same. It's just not the same it was when you left God's will. 
You know, I've known people who tried to get back. I've known people, hey, I, I messed up. I got out of God's will here. I'm going to go back to where I messed up at and start over. It's just not the same. It just doesn't work. Once you get out of his will, it's really hard to get back because his will is the safest place. It's your safe place to stay where God wants you. You can't just get back where you left off. It's not the same as staying in God's will. You miss this chunk of your life that you could have been in God's will. It's like it's gone forever. God can start where you're at, but you just can't go back. You can move forward from where you're at. Can't turn back. It's like we don't understand sometimes when we get in situations. It's like we don't understand that God loves us, that God has plans to do us right. This is in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11. Listen to these words of the Bible. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. But God says, when I'm thinking of you, I'm thinking about all the good things I want to do for you. And sometimes we get it in our head for whatever reason that we somehow know better than what he does. But his will is the safest place. It is the best place for you to be in. Elijah found that out. God loves you and he wants the best for you. But he can't give it to you unless you're willing to do things his way. And obedience is the best way. Obedience is the best way. Choosing to do God's will means that you let go of your life and your will before a decision happens. This is something that I think maybe a lot of people don't understand. A lot of Christians have never reached that point in their life. We just make a commitment to God. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll be whoever you want me to be. And then when the decision comes, you've already made up your mind. You're going to follow God. You're going to do what God wants you to do. It's like you take a blank sheet of paper. And on the top, the title of the page, you put the plans for my life. The subtitle is your name. But the thing is, you leave it blank. And you give God those plans. God, this is my life. You tell me what you want me to do with it. Obedience is the best way to be in God's will. You, God, you let me, you fill in the details for me. This is an old hymn that we sing from time to time. It's called Trust and Obey. You know it, right? Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to what? Be happy in Jesus. Want to be happy? Be in His will. Learn to trust Him and obey Him enough to be in His will. Trust and obey for what? There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. There are many Christians who have never fully surrendered their life to Christ. They've never come to that point. Therefore, they struggle with doing God's will every day. It's like every time you come to a decision, it's like now you're in a quandary. You haven't surrendered your will to his, so now there's this wrestling match going on. Give your entire life to him. Let him fill in the blanks. Let go of your life and commit to doing what he wants to do. I mean, some of you just want to hold on. So we got that piece of paper that I told you about, right? We've got our name on it. We've got plans for me. 
my name. We want to hold on to it. God, how about this? How about this? I'll make a deal with you, God. Go ahead and fill in some of the blanks. Just go ahead and fill in a few of the blanks. And that way I'll know if I can surrender to do whatever you want or not. No, that's not the way it works. You have to be willing to trust him so much and obey him so much that you give him the whole blank sheet of paper that God, you fill it in. You fill the details of my life in. Let go of your life and give it to him. I will say this. I have never, I have met a lot of people who have regretted the way that they live their life. Haven't you? Have you been saved for any of the time? I'm sure you've heard people. I regret doing this. I regret. I wish I would have done that. But I've never met anybody that regretted giving their life to Christ. Nobody ever says, man, I'm really sorry I decided to serve Jesus. You know what? I am really sorry that I gave my life to Christ. But I've heard plenty of people say, man, I'm really sorry. I really regret that first drink of alcohol that I took. I really regret that day that I got out of God's will. I really regret the day that I left my church and went went to do something else. I really regret the way I've lived. But I've never heard anybody regret the giving their life to Christ. Do you know why? They found the secret. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. God's will is personalized for you. Elijah ended up isolated. I mean, basically, it was just Elijah... God and the ravens bringing him something to eat. And the ugly truth is that doing what's right is not always the popular thing to do. In fact, there may be some people who try to talk you out of doing what's right. But just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it the right thing. You have to make up your mind. I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. In this situation, Elijah was isolated. He was doing what God wanted him to do, but he was by himself. You know, it may be God's will for you to do something that other people are not. But determine whatever God wants you to do, that you're going to do what that is. I'm reminded of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the story. You've read it. If you've read your Bible, you know Christ was soon to be crucified. And it was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he agonized with God. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So he understood that he needed to surrender his full will to the Heavenly Father. I'm telling you, there's some people here this morning They have never surrendered. They've never come to that place where they have given their life to Christ. I mean, they've never really sold out. Three reasons you stay by the brook. Number one was because God's will is the absolute best place for you. Number two, whatever is outside the brook is bad for you. Have you ever driven by a cow pasture or a livestock pasture? And maybe the person who maintains that pasture, there's this fence around it, they've got it fenced in, and the grass looks really beautiful. In fact, there's like these huge 
bales of hay. You know, the big round things of hay there. I mean, there's so much there. But those animals, they'll stick their head through the fence and try to eat the weeds on the other side of the fence. Because what they can't have must be better than what they do have, right? No. Somehow, we think in our mind that what we don't have is better than what we do. But it's not true. What's outside the brook is bad for you. You know, the devil is a master at marketing. Years ago, the tobacco industry learned the power of marketing. On all the TV shows way back when, the stars all smoked, didn't they? And then there were billboards everywhere advertising cigarettes. I mean, there's, either, there's even the Marlboro Man, right? He has, he's on the billboard, and he looks really nice and handsome. He's smoking a cigarette, and he's got women around him that just beautiful women are surrounding him. I mean, how cool is it to smoke? They learned the value of advertising. But the thing is, they didn't show you the other side. They didn't show you on the advertisements, on the billboards. They don't show you what happens to your lungs over time when you smoke, do they? No. In fact, smoking, according to the um, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, smoking-related illness in the United States costs $300 billion each year. But they learn to market to sell something. No, the devil plays the same game. He's a master marketer. He knows how powerful marketing is. He tries to sell you things, but you think they're popular. And you think it's great to be unrighteous and not to live right. He puts a billboard up, but he doesn't show you the end result. <coughs> you just see how cool it looks for the moment. You just see how awesome the people look that are doing those things. But he doesn't show you the heartache at the end of the road. He markets, puts up billboards in your heart. He puts up advertisements about leaving God's will. How great it would be, how awesome it would be. But he doesn't show you what happens at the end. The problem is so many people buy it. So many people buy cigarettes, right? They just keep buying ads. So many people buy the devil's lie that he just keeps putting up ads. You come to church and he puts a billboard in your mind. Oh, here's an advertisement for you. These people are crazy. You turn the TV on, he's got an advertisement just for you. Look how much fun they're having. Look how cool it is to do that. He's a master marketer. There's a lot of people buying it. I'm reminded of the story in the Bible. You know the story of the prodigal son who took his father's inheritance. We've all heard it so many times, right? He took his father's inheritance and he he comes back. He, He goes to a far country. He loses everything he has. And he comes back. It's a great story. 
And he comes back to the welcoming arms of his father. The father says, kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. What's lost is now found. But there's something in that story that sometimes we miss. And that is he lost everything. Get it? He was in the pigsty. He wanted to eat what the pigs ate. That's the billboards that the devil puts up. But he doesn't show the end. He doesn't put the Surgeon General's warning. Whatever is outside the brook is bad for you. Ask someone who's been there. Ask somebody who's got out of God's will. They'll tell you in a hurry all the regrets they have. They'll tell you in a hurry how they tried to get back and they just couldn't. It never was the same. You give your life to Christ. Decide right now that you're not leaving the brook, that you're giving him your entire life. You're giving him the blank sheet of paper with no reservations. Some people think this. Well, I give my life to Christ if he'll make me famous. I think that's what a lot of people think when they think a call to preach is. And, and you see it, it's like preachers almost make it out that way. I'll give my life to Christ because he might make me famous. No, you give your life to Christ because you love him and he gave his life for you. The problem is we don't have the right kind of surrender and the right kind of obedience to him. And therefore we find ourselves outside of God's will. Three reasons you should stay by the brook. Number one was God's will is the best place for you. Number two, whatever's outside the brook is bad for you. It's like we don't get it in our head. Let me say it again. What's outside the brook, what's outside of God's will, is really bad for you. Number three, don't leave the brook because you never really leave the brook anyway. The gospel is like a seed. Once you are exposed to the gospel, it becomes buried in your heart. It's just waiting on light and water to germinate. It's like you can leave God's will, but you never really get away from it. You can see this displayed really obvious in one of the most quoted Bible verses about child rearing. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child. Listen to this. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Of course your child has a free will to choose, right? But if you instill in their hearts the truth of the scripture, it doesn't matter where they go. They'll always have that truth in their heart. They'll never be able to get away from it. They'll never be able to shake it. They will always remember what you taught them from the Bible, regardless of where they end up. Because that's the way the gospel is. It's a seed. You may try to get back to God's will. It's just not going to be the same anymore. 
This is why it's so important to make sure you stay in God's will. There'll always be that thought. There'll always be that in your mind of what you left behind. I wish I could have that back. Just not there anymore. I've heard people say, I honestly don't know what to make of it. I've heard people say there's a perfect will of God and there's a permissive will of God. I don't know. But I do know this. Once you get out of God's will, there is no turning back. If you've gotten out of God's will, God will deal with you where you're at. But once you get out, you can't get that time back. You can move forward, but you can't go back. Three reasons you stay by the brook. The third one, you never really leave the brook. You'll never really get away from it. Two reasons you should leave the brook. Three reasons you shouldn't leave the brook, but there's two reasons in the Bible this morning that you should leave the brook. Look with me again in 1 Kings chapter 7. And verse 7, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. In verse 12, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go and to dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And, and, she, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, because the word of the Lord which he spoke unto Elijah. Two reasons you should leave the brook. In, in chapter, in verse number seven of our text, something happened that would change Elijah's course. And that is, the brook began to dry up. As he drank from this brook, and he drank this great crystal clear mountain spring fresh water, it started to dry up after a time. You know what? Life in God's will is not tied to a specific location. It's tied to each step that we take in life. It's like home for me. Although I've been blessed with a physical address to live at, home is with my wife and my children. God's will is not tied to any specific location, but it's tied in His will. It's with Him. Why, should you, why would you leave the brook? Two reasons you should leave the brook. Number one, you ready for this? Are you ready? Number one, 
Because God's will is the best place for you. You should leave the brook because God's will is the best place for you. (laughs) There's this truth that a Christian can never escape. And that is that God's will is the best place. God's will is the safest place for you. Sometimes it may be God's will to stay and sometimes it may be God's will to go. But the principle of staying in his will remains the same. Like I said, getting out of his will can happen in a single decision. Like you make a choice to get out of his will. You made this choice. But a lot of times, more often than that, I've seen it happen time and time again. It's a slow fade out of his will. And before you even realize it, you're so backslidden that you realize, oh my goodness, I'm out of his will. It's through those little decisions that you make every day, such as not reading your Bible and praying. Such as allowing habitual sin into your life. Or becoming bitter about something that's happened to you. All of these things make it where we can't hear from God. You get out of God's will when you stop doing these things. Here's some tips for staying in God's will. Tip number one. If you haven't heard from God. Don't do anything different. Even though the brook was drying up, I'm sure he noticed it pretty before it dried all the way up. It wasn't just a thing. It just dried up one day. I'm sure Elijah noticed that that brook was shrinking. I'm sure he noticed that that brook was getting smaller. But he stayed there until God instructed him to go somewhere else. If you haven't heard instructions from him, follow the last instructions he gave you. Amen. 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 Patience is the key to staying in God's will. What's Isaiah 40 verse 31 say? Those that wait upon the Lord. Patience is the key to staying in God's will. Number two, live by Bible principles. Live by Bible principles. You know what I know some people who scour the Bible. It's kind of funny. They scour the Bible to try to find some verse or phrase that will give them direction. And most of the time they already know what they want to do. They're looking for a verse to back it up. You've met them. I've met them. We know people like this. We know Christians who do this. And they finally find that verse and they finally find that phrase, that part of a verse. Don't do that. Live by Bible principles. Find principles to live by from the scripture and let those principles guide you in the decisions that you make. Let the Bible be your guide. You can find a verse to back up just about anything. If you take it out of context, you can find a phrase somewhere in the Bible, I'm sure, to justify whatever you're doing. You know what? You live by Bible principles. This keeps you in the will of God. And let God's word guide you in the decisions that you make every day through principles. Number three, God gives you the liberty to make some choices. You know, there are many decisions that God just allows you to make as long as that decision doesn't violate the principles of Scripture or his previous instructions for you. 
You know, many times his will is really obvious in the Bible. For example, God wants you to be a member of a good church. That is really obvious in the Bible. So if you're not a member of a good church, then God's will for you is to be a member of a good church. Sometimes it's really obvious. Other times it's not so obvious. And it's in those cases that God gives us the liberty to choose. As long as we're not violating the principles of Scripture. Where am I going to go to college at? Where am I going to go to college at? God showed me where to go to college at. There's probably not going to be a postcard coming in the mail. Right? You're probably not going to step outside tonight. and it be written in flames. The stars will line up and tell you what to do. Who am I supposed to marry? No. It's probably not going to happen that way. But God gives us a liberty to make choices within the bounds of his principles, the principles of Scripture. And I have to say this. Whenever I've struggled with God's will, most of the time when I've struggled with it, I really knew what it was. I just didn't want to accept it. I remember when God was dealing with me about preaching, I did not understand it. And I still don't understand it. I still don't get it. I am a backwards person. I'm an introvert. God should call all extroverts because they have, they're so good at talking to people. I mean, they're so popular. They have so many friends. I didn't understand it then. I still don't understand it. And I've wrestled with it. And what, is, what am I supposed to do? But the whole time, I really knew what I was supposed to do. I just had to get my, my life to the point where I was willing to surrender to the Lord. Most of the time we know what to do. We just have to accept it. God gives us a liberty to make choices in life. And it's in those choices that we make that we stay in God's will. As long as we're in the principles of his word. As long as we're following what he wants. Number four, God can use circumstances to direct you. The thing that pushed Elijah away from the brook was the brook drying up. It was his circumstances. It's been great, Lord. You have fed me well. I, mean, I don't know what they brought him. They brought him tea balls. How in the world? Where did they get it from? Maybe they went to Ahab's place and went through the kitchen and got him food. I don't know. It's been great, Lord. And this, this water, this spring water is awesome. But... The brook's drying up. My circumstances are changing. God can use things that are completely out of our control to direct us. It's important to understand. Now I need to do something else. Number five, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. John 16, if you want more information, you can, you can read John chapter 16 about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But it's his job to teach us and to guide us into living right. Sometimes as a Christian, as a saved person, you just know what God's will is. You just know it. Someone came up to me one time and he, he was struggling with a call to preach. And he was looking through the Bible. Like I said, trying to, he was frantically reading through the Bible to, to find something there. He said, well, how do you know, or something to that effect? I said, I just, I just knew you. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. 
when I met my precious wife and we fell hopelessly in love, I just knew. I just knew it was God's will. And guess what? The people who loved me and prayed for me, they had a pretty good clue it was God's will too because the same Holy Spirit lived in their heart. You ever seen somebody that tries to, they have to explain the decisions that they make? I mean, I've seen people do it. I've even seen people do it on social media. This is why I left my church. You got to click more to keep reading. Oh my goodness, you have all these reasons and this goes on and on forever. If you have to explain, there's probably something wrong. God's will doesn't take a whole lot of explaining to do. It's God's will. And the Holy Spirit leads us to do his will. It's confirmed by other Christians. You don't have to explain everything. And I'll tell you what, a lot of times, if you feel like you have to explain what God's will is, there's probably a person, there's probably a person, an individual, that you need to go back and explain to. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're probably, a lot of times people are upset with an individual. And that's why they have to explain it to everybody. Because you didn't, or you refuse to get right, you refuse to get right with your pastor, you refuse to get right with someone in your church, or whatever situation it may be. So now, you have a lot of explaining to do right to other people. A lot of explaining to do. Yeah, you do. (laughs) But it needs to be the person that you're angry with. Amen. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Two reasons you should leave the brook. The number one reason you should leave the brook is God's will is the best place for you. Number two, because God wants you to share the benefits of the brook with someone else. In 1 Kings 17, the brook dried up. So God says, Elijah... The brook's dried up. So now I want you to go to this place in Zarephath. There's a widow there and her son who need to have what you have. I have given you all this. Now it's time for you to share it with someone else. God has someone who is ready to receive the gospel from you. Amen. Jesus even said in Luke chapter 4, verse 25... But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the day of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Zarephath, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. The same city. The same story. There were a lot of widows, but there was only one that Elijah went to. That's because she was the one who was willing to receive the gospel message. She was the one that was willing to receive what God had for her. Elijah was looking for the widow with a willing heart. And he found her. He says, why don't you bake me a cake? She says, well, I'm going to bake a cake. I'm gathering sticks to bake a cake. And after I bake this cake... 
That's it. My son and I have nothing else left. So the man of God says, okay, just make me a cake first then. So we read the story this morning, what happened? Elijah stayed with him. And she kept making cakes. It never, the, the barrel of oil never ran dry. God wants you to share the blessings that he's given you. God used the gospel to change your life. He can use the gospel to change someone else's life. He said, well, they won't listen. There were many. You don't get it. There were many widows there. But there was one who was willing to, to hear, who was willing to listen to the man of God. If it changed your life. You just have to have the courage to make yourself vulnerable. What if someone, what if they don't hear it? So what? Make yourself vulnerable to share the gospel with someone else. What about all those who are interested in the gospel message? Get involved with someone else's life. How about this? Introduce someone else to Jesus. To do this, you have to leave the brook. Leave the brook because someone else needs the provisions that you've been enjoying. You get it? God wants you to share the benefits of the brook with someone else. Can you be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good? I have, I I cannot stand the repeat phrases, the the cliche phrases that people make. It gets under my skin so bad. This is one of those. You've heard it so many times. And some people say, Oh, yeah, you can be so earthly, earthly minded, so heavenly minded. And so, oh, no, you can never be heavenly minded enough. I mean, I've heard the whole gauntlet. But can you be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? I think there's a point here that's implied for Christians. Can you get so wrapped up in God's goodness or just trying to survive till heaven? that you completely forget about the Great Commission? Can you enjoy the provisions of God so much that you forget that there might be someone else who could use those provisions? I think sometimes we internalize God's blessings and rejoice in Him so much and then we act like it's not worth sharing. Are you so spiritually minded that you forget about the Great Commission? I think it's what's happened to a lot of churches that that I know of. Why are churches dying? Nobody wants to hear it anymore. Is that what it is? Or have we just not shared it with them? I don't have the answer to all the questions. Can you be so heavenly minded that you forget about the Great Commission? If you don't share, here's the thing. If you don't share, eventually your brook will dry up. It's just the way it works. If you don't share it with other people, just dries up. It is selfish and unreasonable for you to expect God to keep dumping blessings on you 
if you're not willing to share those blessings with someone else, if your brook is dried up, oh my goodness, I don't get anything out of church anymore. I don't know why I bother to go. It was so exciting for a while, wasn't it? It was so great rejoicing in his blessings, but for some reason it just dried up. Could it be? Could it be? That you didn't share what you had. And that's why God let it dry up. It's become all about you. And it should have been all about Jesus. In summary, three reasons you should stay by the brook. We said, number one, God's will is the best place for you. Number two, whatever is outside the brook is bad for you. Number three, you never really leave the brook. Two reasons you should stay by the brook. You should leave the brook. Because God's will is the best place for you. I said because God's will is the best place for you. And number two, because God wants you to share the benefits of the brook with someone else. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much again for this day. Thank you for the truth of Scripture. Lord, as you led Elijah for his safety and for his benefit to the brook in the valley of Jordan, the Jordan Valley, and you did such a great job of taking care of him. The wonderful spring water you gave him, the two great meals a day. Lord, you did a great job of taking care of us. It's enough that you saved us, but then that you do so much for us every day. But I pray that you would help us to take that provision that you've given us. May we have a willing heart and a willing mind to involve ourselves in the lives of someone else. To find someone else who's willing to hear the gospel and to come involved with their life. To get burdened for them and to give them that gospel truth and the blessings that we've experienced. Lord, I pray for those Christians that are here today who have never surrendered their will to you. What they have, the sheet of paper, my life, my plans. They just don't want to let go of it. Lord, I pray you'd help them today to make that choice in their life to just let go and let you have their life. We ask these things in your name. Amen.